Number one on the charts with I Feel For You, written by Prince. The song features Stevie Wonder on harmonica and the rap was by Grandmaster Mel Mel. Known as the Queen of Funk, she was the first R&B artist to have a crossover hit featuring a rapper with this track here, I Feel For You. And some years ago, uh, Chucky Khan was awarded an honorary doctorate in music from the Berklee College of Music. There you go, a little bit of a Chucky Khan for your... Thursday afternoon on the panel, and we uh, are delighted to have in studio uh, May Chin and Alan Matro, who I think now wants to be a lawyer. Is that right, uh, yeah, Alan? Yeah, I've you, signed you're, up. You're quite inspired. Yeah, easy. <laughs> I'm going to steal from Ben's. Yeah. And, and I want a Sharpe Mastiff because actually Sha- Alan's dog is here. Yes, Alan's dog is here. Ramsey, yeah. is it? Ramsey, named after Gordon Ramsey because of his wrinkles and his foul language. And <laughs> it is a massive, massive dog. And can I just say, a gorgeous dog He's as well. Lovely. So yeah. uh, a big hello to Ramsey. Uh, regarding um, the skip, I worked for a shoe company who threw out 5,000 pairs a month. I suggested donating to charity or homeless. They said they would do it because it wasn't their target market oh my and didn't want to see uh, homeless people wearing the certain brand because it wasn't on brand oh as, no. uh, that's horrible that's one, one person um, but Wallace you know we didn't talk about waste and I must yeah. say that when yeah. I went to Vietnam the, the most amazing thing was visiting the tip and you know the tip was just dirt because they 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 recycle everything and when I looked at that skip which was just full of goods I just thought Boy, we can't keep living yeah. like this. We've just got to get into the recycling. Well, that's the issue that wasn't discussed, eh? No, that uh, it wasn't. fashion waste is just massive. Yeah. And uh, if there's one way that you can reuse mm. for uh, for charity shops, uh, why perhaps not? Yeah. Uh, I have collected so much timber and building materials from bins on local building sites. It's so handy for many projects uh, and shameful that it's considered rubbish, said Madeline. And another one here regarding attendance. We had excellent attendance at school. Had our only trip to visit grandparents we'd never met overseas for a two-week holiday plus one week of term uh, around two major family celebrations. School kicked up a huge fuss and gave us a heap of work to do while we were away. Uh, it all worked out in the end. Now, to this, um, many consumers are unaware that free help is available when they have a complaint about a financial service, the financial ombudsman says, reports Nona Paltier from RNZ National. Now, a third of consumers had a problem with their financial provider over the past year with underperforming investments, unexpected fees or charges, and poor customer services topping these listed complaints. Just 5% of consumers have ever made a complaint about financial services, what does it mean? Does it mean we're happy? Probably not. 
So what else could it be? With us to discuss is Financial Services Complaints Financial Ombudsman and Chief Executive Susan Taylor. Kia ora, Susan. Kia ora, Wallace. So this was from a recent study by the FMA. I was really interested by this because I've always wondered myself, how do I make a complaint never have? Is this simply a case of awareness? It's very much a case of awareness. Uh, The report showed that less than one in four New Zealanders knew that they could make a complaint if they um, had a problem with their financial service provider or financial advisor. Uh, And clearly we want to see more people being aware that there are or is a free service that they can come to if they've had a problem. Interestingly, the top reason for not making a complaint was a perception that, ah, what's the point now? That would be ineffective, 33%. So that's a barrier? It certainly is, and I found that um, research particularly interesting because it really helps inform us in the consumer outreach we do. And it was disappointing, I guess, because... Um, first of all, the dispute resolution service, if we find something has gone wrong and that you've suffered a financial loss, then we can require the financial service provider to pay compensation. Ah. Our power goes up to $350,000. Wow. Equivalent to the district court, yes. Um, And um, our decisions are binding on the financial service provider. So if we say, yes, they've given unsuitable advice for, advice, for example, or charged an unreasonable fee, and that's caused you, consumer, a financial loss, uh, we can award compensation. Well, that the, is extraordinary. That I did not know. Uh, that amount of compensation, that is significant. Let's bring in May Jen. Oh, kia ora, Susan. Um, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's so lovely to talk to you again. And Susan does such a great job. And look, she's got the name Ombudsman now, and she fought hard for it. And it's the 60th anniversary of Ombudsman in oh. general in, in this country. And th- these tools are so, so important, Susan, because as you know, in the Public Law Toolbox, I wrote a book about this, the difficulty yep. is accessing lawyers is just so expensive. So to have these Ombudsmen, these complaints uh, Ombudsmen dealing with these issues for free and remember mm. you don't need a lawyer all you have to do is get on their website and you know Susan's team will, will okay. take over and help can you. Can I address that before we get to Alan McElroy because the other issue is that uh, oh you know it's going to be too hard I'm going to have to provide um, documents upon documents upon documents is it in the too hard basket can you address that Susan? Yes I think that probably is a perceived barrier for some people but I'd like to reassure them that Really, all they have to do is get on the phone to us. We've all got 0800 numbers, and our complaints teams will take down the details of the complaint for them and then get in touch with the financial service provider. So we're not like a court where you have to gather all your evidence together and stand up and and give evidence in a court. Mm -hmm. Um, We're very much a getting to the bottom of what went wrong and why. And our case managers basically do the work for the, for the consumer. Um, well, how and about that? That's yeah. so important. See, it's not and adversarial, it's inquisitorial. How about that's that? Right. Fantastic. And, and picking up on something that May said earlier, um, she's absolutely right, you don't need a lawyer. In fact, we actually discourage lawyers because we find when they get involved in the process, we tend to get bogged down in a bit too, too much legal detail. Um, all of our case managers are legally trained, so um, you know the, the consumers can feel confident that they're going to have a, um, a comprehensive 
inquiry into their complaints. Alan, this is just wonderful information. I, I feel really tempted to go home after this, have a cup of tea, open a beer and make a complaint. And look look for something to complain about because it's so easy. It's like TripAdvisor for banks. I, I've never had a really like serious issue with my bank, so if, if there was a little fee... No, but any, financial, compl- yeah. any financial service. Can yeah. you think of anything? Uh, no, but I'm going to find out well, tonight. Well, apparently oh. car financing... Is an area. Susan. Well, let's take them well, yeah. down too. And well, listen, no, I just no, want to say I appreciate lawyers. Uh, I, I, I like lawyers. Yeah. Uh, so no, on that, on that, Susan. No, but they're too expensive. That's the problem. Right. Which is why it's so important to have services like the the financial Absolutely. ombudsman. Yeah. Well, Mike, give us an example of, say, just to get people sort of ideas moving. What's an example of a, uh, a fairly common financial complaint? Well. Um, as May touched on before, we get we get a lot of complaints in the consumer credit area, and often with car loans, so um, right. and sales add-on insurances, which has been in the media a little bit lately, yeah. which sometimes are not really suitable products for the person that they've been sold to. So, if, for example, someone um, takes out a big loan and then very soon finds themselves in difficulty paying it. Uh, it may well be that there's been irresponsible lending. And um, if we find irresponsible lending, um, then we can require the lender to write off um, all of the interest and fees that have been charged on the loan. In fact, we even had a case the other day where the person returned the car. There was still a considerable debt left owing, but the lender said, look, we made a mistake in the first place giving this loan, and we're going to write off the entire loan. So... You know, that was an example of a, yeah, of a I guess, a really outcome. good result. I, I think, uh, uh, Susan, I'd, I'm speaking without knowledge here, but it's clear to me that if people could get publicity around these amazing results you were getting, they'd just think, oh, this, that's amazing. I can just pick up the phone and, and, have, and tell them what the problem yeah. is and they'll yeah. sort it for me. Yeah, so we'll mm. talk about it now, uh, Susan. Hopefully this uh, will, uh, idea will reverberate that uh, it is actually uh, fairly... Uh, painless and very easy to, uh, you know, complain about a financial service. Very important uh, role. So, if, if yes. those listening right now might want to get in touch, uh, how how can they do that? Well, the best thing is to just give us a call, um, 0800-347-257 or just Google Financial Ombudsman New oh, Zealand, yes. and that will bring up our name. And they can go onto our website. They can also just email us. As I said, we try and make it as easy as possible for them. Very good indeed. Um, Financial Ombudsman and Chief Executive uh, Susan Taylor. Kia ora, Susan. Thank you very much. Ora, so that's uh, financial services complaints there, 0800 347 257. Probably the easiest way is just to Google um, financial ombudsman and uh, it'll take you there. Good, good, as you say, good. you don't need a lawyer. You know, yeah. it's so, just, look, there, yeah. there are so many of these, like the ombudsman, and it's why I wrote Public Law Toolbox, right. because people don't know. So, you know, we I've been in a situation where someone's come to me and said, oh, well, I got a lawyer and they weren't able to fix it, so can you fix it? And I say, well, why did you get a lawyer? Just go to the ombudsman. It's free. Now, this is the financial ombudsman different mm. Susan fought hard for that name she went to court to get that name and and uh, but but you know we've got the auditor general there there are all, the privacy commissioner we have all sorts of ways that the public can get disputes resolved and it's important that they get educated and there's publicity about this otherwise they're spending money trying to get to a lawyer to solve problems that frankly lawyers don't need to be involved in good information sort. yeah good good to know mayor thank you it's 15 to 5 the panel uh, in National, Alan McElroy and May Chen with me uh, today. Oh yes, someone says, did you know there's also a 
and insurance ombudsman. Very helpful yes. to speak if you think you are being unfairly treated by your insurance. Thank you, Jan. Mm. Uh, another um, and, and Karen's been the insurance uh, ombudsman for a long time, and she's very, very good. Climate protesters yesterday vandalised a prized Andy Warhol painting at the National Art Gallery in, of Australia in Canberra. This is the latest in a trend of attacks launched on the famous artworks by protesters, which have included a can of tomato soup thrown on Vincent van Gogh's sunflowers in London and a cake being smashed onto the Mona Lisa in Paris. Now, some might, by the way, they were undamaged. Some might argue provocative displays like this are necessary in the fight on climate change. Others might see it as vandalism of some of history's most respected artworks. So with us is art historian Penelope Jackson to give us uh, another angle on this. Penelope, welcome to the programme. Oh, thanks, Wallace. Thanks for the invitation. Pleasure. When you, I can imagine as an art historian you will have when you see the soup going over the painting, you might have a view on that. I mean, what's been your reaction to these uh, re- repeated attacks? Well, I couldn't really say that on public radio, could I? <laughs> you can if you like. Um, Go on. You can if you like. I can. Look, I mean, I obviously, I'm shocked. I'm stunned. I think it's terrible. I mean, they're gaining a lot of attention. Um, I'm not quite sure what they're achieving. Um, certainly every time they do it, it goes viral, which I guess is kind of, from their perspective, fortunate, but it's unfortunate in terms of it, you know, encourages others. But I think we kind of, yeah, I mean, you need to kind of look at what are they achieving and who are they hurting or what are they hurting and uh, to try to get to the bottom of it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the basic thing is they're trying to gain attention for the climate crisis. And as an art historian and an art lover, you know, I'd like to think there are other ways of going about this. And that issue has been really well canvassed, including on the panel about the motivations uh, for this. We know very, very well the motivations, um, whether or not you agree with it. Let's go around the panel on this one uh, and see what they have to say about it. May? Mm. So what sort of society do we live in where you have to do that sort of thing to get attention on an existential threat to humanity. Because it's existential? Well, so you're going to give the Mona Lisa a, a, a mud pie? It's just, I, I don't understand that method of trying to drum up attention. I have to say that these are great works of art and you might damage them. We're just fortunate that they weren't. Look, I, I think, I, I'm, I'm very pessimistic about uh, climate change. Um, when when my boy was little, I watched Wally. I don't know if you watched mm-hmm. that. It's a movie about the end of the world, really, uh, when we're all in chips. And I've recently read a book called The Ministry of the Future, which is on Barack Obama's um, best books list about what it's going to be like when we get hot summers wow. of the sort that we've just experienced. But really, is is this the way to do that? Does the means justify? Okay, so you don't think it's end? worth it. What do you reckon, Alan? I think it's ridiculous. There has to be other ways. One, you could, you know, get sniffer dogs at the doors of museums because all of these things seem food-based for the start, the same ones that you have in the airport. Two, gluing yourself. I don't know if you've seen the story where they glued themselves in a BMW uh, garage and all the staff just went home and turned off the lights and the activists were were complaining that they weren't given buckets to urinate in and, and all of this carry on. I'd say if they're in the museum and they glued themselves to the wall, leave them there put a glass box around them, let them be okay. an attraction. All right. Okay, hashtag not a fan on this. Well, what, um, what, what, has, what has art got to do with generating excess carbon emissions? You know, there needs to be some correlation between the, the activism that well, you because, take. Because the world is dying. 
it's in real time. And uh, let's come back to Penelope. And again, we're you know uh, getting into this, but it's a, a significant activism needs to be enacted to make us hyper aware, surely, of what is happening. The world is dying. Yeah, that, that, I mean, look, I take, take all that on board. I mean, people are are really angry about it, and I think that's one of the the big achievements of this is that they are instilling anger and hatred. I mean, they're saying, well, you know, um, what are you more concerned about, protecting a painting or protecting the planet? You know, that's kind of their objective. Their, um, but I mean, it's just not panning out like that. And I, as I said, you know, at the start, I think you need to look at who's been hurt by this and obviously the um, the visiting public um, it certainly spoils their visit. There was someone at um, the National Gallery, I think it was in Melbourne the other week when the Picasso, there were protesters glued themselves to that and you know completely wrecked their visit um, and then of course the staff have to take that work off the wall, they have to take it away, they have to check check that it's not damaged, they have to clean it. And I mean, everyone's going, oh, they haven't damaged anything. But actually, they did damage the frame on Constables the Haywain at the National Gallery right. in London. Um, they, they did. Um, the other thing is two other areas that in terms of their hurts, what they're harming is the artwork. People, I'm quite hot on this, that the artworks are actually victims. You know, what have they done <laughs> to deserve this kind of thing? You know, Constable's Hayway in the idyllic country, English countryside has been hanging there for 200 years. But what is interesting, the other area too, and people don't seem to be talking about this, is that the super glue that they are using to glue themselves to everything, whether it's an artwork or BMW, is produced with toxic chemicals and and greenhouse gases are admitted during that production, and it is really not very eco-friendly okay. at all. I, I just, uh, just, just finally. So, are we prepared? If 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 this happens to a Colin McCann, a Gordon Walters, a Ralph Horteri, uh, yes, uh, Emily Karaka, um, a Shane Cotton, and Michael Potokofi, big, big, very significant works with lots of money, are uh, our institutions prepared? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're always prepared. That's the thing. Right. Um, they have to be 24-7. But what the, the last point there really is, I think, to make that if this kind of continues, especially in the Western European context, that they're going to perhaps having to, to um, employ more security people or spend more money on, um, you know, cleaning up works, et cetera, using the resources, their insurance premiums, are, you know, will go up. And okay. that means that the money will come out of, has to come out of the budget in terms great, of public engagement. Great to have you on, Penelope. A different take on this particular issue. Kia ora, I really appreciate it. That's Thank art you. historian uh, Penelope Jackson on that. Big response to that. Email me, thepanel at rnz.co.nz. Our two panellists say, no, not worth it, don't do it. What do you think? The panel at rnz.co.nz. I'll pop it into the uh, Friday mailbag tomorrow. Now, finally, when applying for a job, have you ever put on a sandwich board, sent a cake with your CV inside? Um, does it work? Have you done this? The BBC Online discussed this. One example was, feels very Alan McElroy, actually, actually giving a box of donuts to your prospective Clever. boss. Uh, m- most CVs end up in trash. Mine ends up in your belly, quote, unquote. But where does clever outside-the-box thinking stray into ill-judged stunts? So we thought we'd get Adam Shapley on from Hayes Recruitment Agency. Adam, welcome. 
Hi, Kiora, how are you? Very well, Adam. Look, I can recall uh, back in the early days, I used to print my CV on lurid orange paper, thinking that it would shout from the stack. This is just going a bit further? I think this, yeah, look, you're, you're not alone in that. I know there was a, a, a recruitment company that, when they launched into the American market in the early early 90s, they had all of their CVs that used to obviously be delivered by by hand or by post, and they had it different colours. So that that's certainly ah. a tactic. So, but what what I thought this this particular individual did with his sending donuts in, I think he he, he nailed it because he was he was going for a marketing job, right? And if you're going to do something innovative. You've got to make sure that the, the unique selling point you're actually articulating is relevant for the job you're trying to get. And, and he, was, he was able to demonstrate that he could get his message in front of people. All right. So this, uh, this example... Yeah, yeah, this example was quite good. May, you'd be familiar with this. Uh, you, you're, you're in the, you're in the yes, office. I, I, I've been an employer for a long time. Yes, so, so, so what, what stands out for you? So Someone what, in a bear suit? Yeah, so what, what standing out means in the legal profession is not someone in a bear suit. I know that will be surprising to you, but that is not necessarily a prime indicator of greatness in terms of legal thought. So I think the issue is that it's, all, uh, as the commentator rightly said at Hayes, it's all about the job you're applying for. And of course, in law, if you pull a stunt, it's probably not going to help you. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're looking at really boring things like, have you got amazing grades? Have you got a good postgraduate degree on, mate. from Harvard? There are so Oxbridge? many lawyers. There are so many no. lawyers. How do I stand out being a new lawyer? That's what well, I want to ask I'll you. Tell you how you stand out. It's always about marks of excellence. Ah, right. That's what it is. Stand so I'm afraid donuts won't do it. Bear Go suit hadn't thought about it, but no, probably not. Stay there, Adam. Okay, so uh, you're applying for a job uh, as a comedian. What do you do? Well, uh, well, now it's different, but I know when I was in, uh, when I left university, to, I got a job with RTE, the, the main uh, uh, TV channel, and I was on a kids' TV show for a couple of years before moving over here. I sent in my CV several times and nothing happened, so I just sent in a comedy sketch DVD that we made. I made it look quite professional and sent that in with the details in the DVD box and then we got a phone call and then I was on one show and then another show and then I got work there. Okay. So that was it. It was just something different but along the lines of what I could do and what they oh, needed. Okay, well you that's know. interesting Adam. So something different but not too, you know, not within, within the realms of uh, within the realms of Alan's skills there. Yeah, well I think that's, that's the key, right? If you're going to do something innovative to stand out, I think it's vital that you avoid complexity, right? Don't, don't make a video or don't do anything that's insincere or, or not clear about the message being simple. And I think that's, that's probably the, the key takeaway if you're trying to do something different. I'm just trying to figure out how you could make a video that would get you a law job. And, and and I'm I'm struggling, Adam. But but it's but it's a good point, and it just shows you that our profession is so boring. Why will a bear suit not work? It's all about the, <laughs> the bear suit. It has to work. It's all about the marks. No, no one, no one's asking to walk into your office with a wig 
and a gallon on. No, but, but if you were really smart, what you'd do is you'd figure out where I was going to turn up. So that might be an Attorney General's breakfast or it might be <laughs> Sir Geoffrey Palmer's 80th celebration in the Grand Hall of Parliament where all constitutional law experts gather. And then you might say, oh... You know, I've read all of these articles and I've had this radical thought and I'd say, wow, okay, that sounds amazing. Who are you? See? There. Interesting. Bang. There you go. You might be in a bear suit ah, when you do that. Uh, very good. Adam, lovely to have you on the programme. Thank you. Thank you. Adam Shapley, Managing Director at Hayes Recruitment uh, Agency. Okay, so we're talking about that fine line between creativity and attention seeking. While we have you here, um, May, and for those prospective um, employees or uh, those who are looking for a job in this what's your advice to them oh the advice is always excellence it's about standing out but not doing it in a way that makes people think okay this person's going to be a problem they're a loner uh and and or they're too eccentric so it's it's always that balance between standing out and fitting in but remember Everyone is looking for excellence because, oh. and it doesn't matter if what, what it is, but whenever I look at a CV, I'm looking for marks of excellence. I'm looking for a person who's self-driven to win and to succeed because, let's face it, law is hard. Boy, superpower Thursdays, isn't it, this afternoon? Beautiful. Gosh, beautiful. what a way to end the show. Some beautiful... <laughs> Wonderful advice from May Chen. Alan, you haven't been too bad as well. Thank I've you for okay. that. I've been C+. Plus. <laughs> I should have stayed in school. That's my problem. It's the gold coast. Too, too many wagons. I'm back to my checkpoint next.